Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Pop That Mama, a passionate first-time mum sharing my tips and tools for a positive pregnancy, childbirth and journey into motherhood. In this episode, I'm joined by my friend Sophie, who is here to share her birth story with you all. I know firsthand just how important it is to feed our minds with positive imagery and positive stories around birth. So enjoy listening. Thank you for tuning into the podcast, everyone. So today I am joined by my lovely friend, Sophie, who is a doula and hypnobirthing student and needless to say, has a passion for birth. And she is on the podcast to share her birth story with you all, which I'm very excited about. And I know you guys love a birth story. So I was very, very keen to get this one on for you guys. So let's just get stuck in. And Sophie, I'm going to hand over to you to do a quick introduction and to share your story with us oh thanks so much for having me on the podcast Poppy it um it was really beautiful I got to listen to it um just before I gave birth so it's really motivating and yeah I'm really happy to be able to share this for um for other people to you know go into birth with a positive mindset that's exciting <laughs> I'm Sophie and I'm mum to Jasmine Pearl who's four and a half months old we had a planned pregnancy um we'd actually were visiting the UK and Europe we visited you <laughs> um just before our little little Jasmine Pearl was conceived <laughs> so I had planned to do my doula training prior to getting pregnant and I happened to be pregnant when I did my course and I think as a first-time mom um it was just absolutely amazing to have that training and that knowledge um yes it's something I want to do professionally but just being able to see how birth is a natural process was really it really opened my eyes from the very beginning so I felt very very lucky and privileged to be able to experience my pregnancy that way and look at birth that way from the start I yeah I had a really nice pregnancy um and I was planning to have a home birth. So I was really excited about that because with COVID and everything, there were restrictions and I wasn't sure what I was going to be allowed to do at the birth centre. So I'd settled into that. Um, and then at 28 weeks, I got diagnosed with gestational diabetes, which unfortunately you can't be on the home birthing program um, with that diagnosis. So then I had to adjust my mindset to um, birthing in the birth centre. So I was a little, little bit upset about the diagnosis. I actually, <laughs> I actually tried to get myself undiagnosed because I, um, it was a totally new thing to me. I didn't really understand it fully. Um, so I was in the process of trying to get another test done to see if I could pass it. And I was in a car crash when I was 31 weeks pregnant. Um, so that kind of, um, took my mind off trying to fight it and, and I just kind of surrendered. Um, obviously, um, me and little Jasmine were okay. Um, it was just a case of whiplash and a lot of shock. Um, but yeah, it just kind of put things in perspective. Wow. <laughs> um, and I just kind of, yeah, just surrendered to, okay, the birth center is what's going to happen. So um let's let's do the best I can with with knowing that 
And I also was really, really lucky to do hypnobirthing. I just think it's such an uh, amazing course. So I was lucky enough to have my practitioner um, be a doula as well and a lady that I actually did my training with. So we already had a really nice rapport and we did um, private at-home lessons because it was during COVID times. And it was just so relaxing to do that through my pregnancy. Yeah, and it just settles into kind of the beliefs I already had from doing my doula training. So it was a really, really nice for my partner, um, husband, to experience that with me so he could kind of be educated in that way going into the birthing space. And, yeah, we were kind of both on the same page, which is, yeah, really nice. Amazing. It sounds like you did your prep. Yeah, I kind of, I, I feel like doing the doula course just kind of put me exactly at the right place where I needed to be. Mm. Um, yeah, just. I really, really believed in everything that I learned in the course. And I actually didn't do a whole lot of reading outside of what I did from my course. But that in itself, I think, is what kind of people do when they're pregnant anyway. So um, I was just kind of lucky to get it all kind of compacted all in one. So that was, it was amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I, with gestational diabetes, um, I was diet controlled, luckily but they do like to keep an eye on you to make sure everything's tracking along okay because quite often um, they will recommend being induced um, if your placenta uh, stops working effectively towards the end of pregnancy. So I had an appointment with my GP at 39 um, plus 6, so the day before my due date, and he said everything was looking great and if Bob didn't come um soon um that he'd look at maybe inducing me the following week but um I had a very strong feeling that she was coming on her due date um so much so that I booked into an acupuncture session straight after my GP appointment and as I got on the table um my water started leaking um (laughs) so I was kind of a little unsure I was like oh doesn't feel like I'm peeing myself, but um, I'll, I'll just see what happens during the session. Um, and yeah, it was a really, really nice, relaxing session. Um, and after the session was finished, I stood up and I had a bit more of a gush came out. So yeah, it was pretty, um, yeah, pretty sure that it was my water then. So like I called out to my acupuncturist and said, I think my water's broken. <laughs> So she like grabbed grabbed me some towels and it was like a little bit of a rush and excitement so um yeah it wasn't gushing out (laughs) it was just a little bit of a a leak but um yeah it was definitely definitely them that's amazing (laughs) and you just knew it you just knew intuitively that she was coming that's incredible yeah I yeah I definitely felt like she was going to come on her due date I um had a little bit of a theory about that is my husband and I got married on a full moon. She happened to be conceived on a full moon. And then when I actually checked my due date, it was on a full moon. So that's that's my theory. Is she's definitely coming on that date. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. Very, um, very rare yeah. <laughs> on the due date. <laughs> it is. Yeah, no, it is. It's funny. I actually fall into a lot of very um, small statistics with my birth. So being born on a due date and um, I'll let you know what happens with the the rest of the story. Um, Yeah, so that happened at 6 p.m. My water broke on the 
day before her due date, um, night before her due date. And I, yeah, I suppose after they broke, well, I kind of knew after the session it was definitely broken. Um, we went back home, my husband and I, and um, my best friend had actually been planning to come over that evening. And I called her, I was like, look, I think my waters have broken. So I'm most likely going to be going into labour, um, possibly overnight. Um, do you still want to come? And she's like, yeah, I'd love to be there. So um, she came to our house and yeah, just, I actually didn't have the hospital bag packed. So got that done, got a lot of washing done, washed my hair and then thought um, we'd, I'd take myself to bed and get some rest. So it was about 9.30 p.m. Uh, by the time I got into bed. Um, and at like this stage, I'd only had very light period cramp type of things. They're, they're very light. And then I got into bed about 9.30. And within that hour period, they'd ramped up to full-on active labour. So that was 10.30 p.m. And I said to Mike, my husband, I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to have to, you know, go and go and um, settle into this now because they're, they're definitely, this is, this is happening. So he, I know he should have probably got some rest, but he was really excited. He's like, no, let's, I'll come up with you. Um, so the first thing I did was get my birthing ball. Um, and I sat on that and when, when the contraction came, which, um, I refer to as, um, as the wave, um, so that's a hypnobirthing term. Um, so when the wave came, um, I sat on the birthing ball, I held on to my husband and I just had this really low tone, um, like humming come out if you kind of picture a cow mooing, that's probably <laughs> more how I sounded like. Um, but it just felt, I don't know, it just, I don't know where it came from. It just felt really right to just let it out, like really low. And yeah, that's basically how I rode the wave of each contraction. And it was, um, yeah, really, really beautiful doing that at home. Um, my best friend, Lossie, she was alternating um, with holding me as well um, during my contractions um, and we have my beautiful um, birth playlist on um, so really nice music everything was just it felt really felt really nice and I felt like I got into um, the zone um, very early on from yeah basically from the the start of my active labor all the way through wow. so that was really yeah that was really great um, <laughs> Now, I had a doula um, for my birth, um, but something had happened with her phone. So she didn't actually get to us until about 4.30 in the morning. But as soon as she got here, she's like, look, you're, you definitely need to be going to the birth centre now. So we packed everything up and hopped in the car. Um, I... <laughs> The transition was probably one of the, the worst things. And I, I was very aware that this um, could happen is when you're so on the zone and you have to change um, your atmosphere, it can kind of affect that. So I tried sitting in the front seat um, and that just felt horrible. So I got in the back seat and slouched over the baby, <laughs> baby seat with the windows down. <laughs> um, I tried listening to my hypnobirthing track and it just wasn't wasn't doing it, but I kind of kept my eyes out the window. Was just trying to breathe, 
through them, um, saw the sunrise and, yeah, I think um, Mike was driving quite fast because uh, I think he realised that I wasn't enjoying it um, as much as I had been <laughs> in the car. Um, yeah, so then we got to the birth centre. I think it was maybe around um, 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, and they had to do, um, like, check me in and do all my obs and all of that type of thing. Um, I was also group B strep positive, which is a bacteria that a lot of pregnant women can actually have. Um, but there is, through the birthing process, that can um, be a risk of passing onto the baby. So to reduce that risk, they recommend you get IV um, antibiotics. So they hooked me up to that when I got in and I tried using the birthing ball at the birth centre and it just did not feel anything like the one that I had at home. I, I actually hated it. I didn't want to be on it at all. Um, so I had to change the way that I was, you know, using, you know, my techniques to get through each wave. So um, I started using a technique called... Um, shake the apple tree which is using a rebozo um which is a mexican scarf and you hold it over your your backside and you get your partner or your birth support person to yeah basically shake it from side to side which helps get everything moving and um it just actually for me it was not necessarily about getting everything moving but it was just the the pain relief i suppose um the relief to the sensations just felt really good um so it was quite a physical job for the mic my husband and then my doula was alternating um doing that as well until they filled the birthing tub up and um I remember my midwife telling me after the birth she's like oh you were in that birth pool before we could even fill it up I just <laughs> plonked myself in it <laughs> So I, I had really high hopes of a, um, a water birth. So, yeah, as soon as they started filling it up, I was like, I just, I just want to get in there. Yeah, and it was really nice. We used just water therapy and just being in the water just felt really, really nice. So I think they did a check at about 7 in the morning um, and I was about seven, seven or eight centimetres by then. So I'd progressed quite nicely overnight. Everything was tracking really, really well. And then I started getting a little bit of a niggling back pain. It was a bit strange because I hadn't felt it through the labour so far. Um, so I was like, oh, this is strange. And she was in a anterior position, um, head down, engaged. So everything was going, you know, position-wise, she was fine. So posterior is often when you get the back pain. Um, so I was a bit confused why I was getting back pain when she wasn't posterior. Um, so I had said I'd take the gas if I started to feel like I needed a little bit of pain relief. So I started um, sucking on the gas. And um, I just had it really low and I was just really focusing on my breathing, kind of using it as a, as a breathing tool almost. So that was really relaxing and calming. Um, yeah, and that kind of, we did that and alternated between, you know, in the tub, out of the tub and doing the rebozo um, technique. Um, yeah, for a couple more hours. Um, 
it got to a point where they were starting to check um, like with the mirrors and the torch um, kind of in the tub um, and then they checked me and I was 10 centimetres. Um, so I was fully dilated, like ready to go. <laughs> but then this back pain just ramped up like something crazy. It just started to become quite unbearable to deal with that with each, each um, wave. So I really started struggling with that and my contraction started um, spacing out more, so becoming less powerful and less frequent. So I was ready, I was essentially almost ready to push, but I, yeah, I just, the contractions weren't, weren't strong enough. So I was just on the edge of it. So my midwife kind of let me go on for a little bit longer. Um, I had my doula um, kind of helping me as well and the student midwife. You know, they were trying to get me to do other positions to try and help with my back pain. And then we decided we'd use uh, water injections. Um, so the idea of that is they get these um, water injections and put them into your back and it's meant to distract the nerve from um, the contraction that's happening. And it can give you a relief for, you know, up to an hour, they say. Mine only worked for about half an hour and then the pain came right back in again um so I was like can we go again so I did two rounds of those um and yeah it only lasted 30 minutes each time and yeah it was kind of got to a point when yeah nothing was really progressing my pain my back pain was kind of getting worse by this stage it'd been oh gosh how long had I been laboring now this is at least two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon. Um, so I've been laboring all overnight, all through the day. So I was starting to get quite tired and so was um, Mike, my husband. Um, and he had a little moment where he's like, what's, what's going on? What's happening? <laughs> so the midwife had to kind of take him out and give him a little bit of a chat and said, look, it's totally normal. Everything's okay. Let's just see how she goes. And yeah, um, it didn't go. So I had my GP who was um, shared care there through my gestational diabetes to keep an eye on me. Um, he came in and said, look, we're going to, um, we've got to try and get you to push because you're fully dilated, you're ready to go, but you're obviously struggling with the contraction strength. So let's see if you have enough to go. Otherwise we have to look at getting you syntocin to help with your contractions and we don't have that at the birth center which means you would need a transfer to another hospital um so that's definitely not what I wanted to hear or what Mike wanted to hear um so I remember us being I was on the bed and he you know he said push I remember trying and he gave me a couple goes and I just it obviously wasn't enough. Um, and he said, look, with, you know, I think a transfer so you can get some syntocin is going to be the best option for you to deliver your baby. Um, so I remember just being really exhausted um, on the bed. And Mike and I, um, yeah, we, we had a moment, um, with a couple of tears um, as we realised we weren't going to have the water birth that we planned. Um, but 
there was confidence in knowing that this was the right decision to have our little girl come safely. Um, yeah, so they organised a um, ambulance transfer for me. My midwife came with me in the ambulance and I was very lucky that my student midwife and my doula and my husband were all able to come with me to um, the new hospital I was going to. Um, my midwife had to um, had to leave, so I got a new midwife when I arrived. And by that stage, I was just, I was starting to actually really feel lots of pain and I was just hanging out to get an epidural. So I started barking at people. I was like, I'm in pain. Can I get an epidural? <laughs> and I'd always promised myself that I wanted a natural birth. I really, really did. But I had promised myself, look, if I've got a prolonged labor and I get to a point where I'm exhausted, I... I will allow myself to get an epidural so I can have a rest and then I can, you know, get my um to, you know, get it done. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so it just felt like it took forever for them to, you know, check me in and do all my obs again. And then they had to hook me up to a machine to monitor Bob and all of that. Um, and I was quite exhausted. I looked like a haggard old lady, I think, by the time I got there. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then all of my birth support team were there and then I finally got my midwife that I was allocated and <laughs> she was she was a boss lady. So she came in and she was really lovely, but she's like, look, I don't mean to come in here and boss you around, but I know that you want to, you know, have this baby naturally. So I'm here to try and help you do that the best that we can. Um, and I was like, can I have an epidural, please? <laughs> and she's like, look, we can do that. You can definitely do that if you want. But I'm not going to lie. The C-section team is around the corner. If we don't get this baby out soon, that's what you're looking at. And I know you don't want that. So she kind of used a bit of a scare ta tactic to kind of get me to try and change my mindset. Because by that stage, it was just like, I just need an epidural. That's the only thing I can think of right now. I was like, um, okay, can you call the anaesthetist anyway? And I'll see. Um, so she did, but, you know, anaesthetists, I don't know if it's, uh, if they do this on purpose or not, but they take forever to come around. <laughs> um, like I think it was like 45 minutes by the time he actually got there. Um, but in the meantime, she's like, let's hook you up to Vincentocin and let's get you to try and start pushing. I was like, oh, it just hurts so much. So they gave me IV Panadol, which I don't know if that actually did anything <laughs> um, by that stage. Um, and she's like, okay, we need to get you to start and try pushing. I was so exhausted. I needed to be on the bed at this stage. So um, in my doula course and in hypnobirthing, you learn beautiful you know, birth positions. And I was like, look, I don't want to be flat on my back. So I was on my side laboring. Um, and I had to get my husband and my doula to alternate between pushing on my back when I had a contraction to try and relieve the pain that I had on my back um, with each contraction. So in hypnobirthing, they teach you to breathe your baby out and to 
bed down and I really had this vision in my head of that's what I was going to do and I was trying to do that and the midwife is like no 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 that's not working you can't breathe this baby out you're going to have to push and so I'd like trained myself to do it this certain way and then all of a sudden it wasn't working and I had to learn a whole new technique type of thing um so she's like oh you've got to hold your breath and you've got to really push and I tried it once and then she's like try it again and she's like oh my god whatever you did just then that worked keep on going I was like oh my god something's happening (laughs) um so I did it again and then things really started to get moving and then you know my husband my doula my student midwife they're all like cheering me like push push and I swear the whole hospital probably could hear my husband going push Sophie push um it was it was quite funny um looking back on it um the anaesthetist rocked up kind of in the middle of all of this. And I was kind of like in a daze because I'd gone like back into my zone essentially. And um, then they're like, no, Sophie, you're already doing it. You don't need, you don't need the epidural. I was like, okay. <laughs> so the anaesthetist is just in the corner kind of watching me push. And um, yeah, things started coming along really nicely. I was really getting there. And we, kind of were getting to the stage where she was you know crowning and she's like my midwife was like look I know this is old school um but let's get you on your back um trust me it works um now that's against everything that I wanted to do in my birth plan but at the time I was just like I just I just need to you know get get this woman to help me do what I need to do so yeah I went flat on my back legs up in the air um they did get the stirrups out but I had my husband holding my legs back instead of putting them in the stirrups and yeah I started started crowning everything was going really nicely um but then little bub's heartbeat dropped um kind of towards the end and I think that's to do with the fact that I had been in stage two for seven and a half hours by this point. So she was sitting right right in my pelvis that whole time. And I think she was just getting a bit tired. So they said, look, we, we probably need to have an assisted birth, um, which is probably going to be a vacuum or forceps. And I was like, I don't want forceps, please try a vacuum. So they called the team in um, and they had to do an episiotomy to fit the vacuum in. And it only took two pushes and with the vacuum and little Jasmine was born. So they brought her straight to my chest. She didn't make a whole lot of noise when she first came out. And I had to scream at them, don't cut the cord because I wanted delayed cord clamping. Um, and she didn't respond too well. So they did end up cutting the cord, I think at about 30 seconds. Um, but then she just let out this big cry and everything was all fine. So yeah, it was just 22 hours of active labor. Um, I was just so glad to have her in, in my arms. But I think it took us a couple of minutes to really sink into the fact that she was there. Um, my doula took a video of, 
you know, the moment that she was born. And you can see Mike and I are just like stunned mullets when, when she first came out because <laughs> it had been such a journey and such a process. And then all of a sudden she was there. So, yeah, it took us a few minutes to kind of come around. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, Sophie, you, you explained that so well. I was just sitting here with my eyes closed with you every step of the way. That was beautiful. And your the way that you explained that whole story, honestly, is so amazing. Wow. I don't even know where yeah. to start. Um... <laughs> it was a pretty powerful experience. And I mean... Um... Reflecting on it, it obviously wasn't, you know, from going my original plan of having a home birth, home water birth, to ending up flat on my back with my legs in the air was definitely not what I had planned. But I had a beautiful labour experience at home and at the birth suite. Um, yes, the transfer wasn't ideal and, you know, the little end part wasn't, you know, perfectly planned. But it's what needed to be done and you know I can make peace with that um and it's it's like you know running your first marathon with no training you you do try to you know read things and all of that but you don't know until you're in it and you just kind of have to surrender to the process um I guess so yeah it's a it's a big learning curve (laughs) Definitely. And just that thing about not being too attached to your plan, because it just sounds like each step of the way you just said, okay, this isn't what I wanted. You know, the moment where you and your husband even shed a few tears in a way, just almost like, okay, you know, we're letting go in this moment. We're going to cry because it is emotional and we're going to move on. And just the whole way through, you were making these decisions. And even when the midwife said, you know, you can't breathe this baby out or you've got to push like this and that wasn't what you wanted to do but you did it and the whole thing is just so inspirational yeah amazing such a strong message for anyone listening that has this birth plan and you know visualized it and wants it to go a certain way just such a strong message that even if it doesn't go to plan it can still be an empowered birth experience but you you were so informed as well so all of these decisions you were making you were you you know even the fact that you said no I don't want forceps I prefer to use the vacuum just so strong and assertive and even though you were laboring and in that you know state where you're probably a bit more vulnerable than usual you still knew what you wanted I think that's amazing Yeah, it is really, um, yeah, on reflection, it's really powerful to know what you want. But yeah, it's, it's definitely from my experiences, learning how to surrender when, you know, things don't go to plan. And you can still, um, this is my biggest takeaway, I think you you can still have power when things change. Amazing. And I know I've definitely thought about Uh, my birth you know giving birth to juniper a number of times and I reflect on it and I and I think about it and I love thinking about it but I have also thought you know what would I have done differently um and yeah I guess that's a question for you looking back at your birth I'm sure you've reflected on it a number of times too what what would you have done differently yeah so um I think the main thing is I probably should have um I think I was a little naive thinking everything was going to go mostly 
to plan but what you learn in hypnobirthing and as a doula is the cascade of interventions that can happen um and I think it's I should have focused a little bit more of you know um if they actually happened I think I kind of tried to put it to the side a bit like that's not going to happen to me um but yeah I think what I would have done differently um was probably when I got that um when I got that transfer I yeah probably would have tried I would have liked them of to have me in a different position and maybe have tried to birth in the water up there um yeah I think that's that's it um I had a tense machine I didn't mention this earlier um but it um, <laughs> um, we tried it at home in the early labor and then it, they couldn't figure out how to work it so we left it at home um so my advice would be to try it before you go into labor and don't leave it at home because <laughs> I feel like it possibly could have been a good uh relief for me so they're probably the the biggest things um yeah it's just kind of settle in and envision okay where's my power going to be when things change and how can I do this the way that I want to do it because yes you've got these amazing medical professionals that will guide you but you can still have power in choosing what you want to do um yeah yeah. (laughs) I was just thinking well I'm working on the next podcast at the moment which is actually going to be on the cascade of interventions and I read something that said actually the first intervention is walking out the front door and Mm. I think there's quite a lot of truth in that because you know you wanted your home birth and everything was going to plan at home it sounds like and I think yeah well I know if I was to do it again I would definitely push for a home birth if I could Mm. Because it's that get it's you know it's leaving the house. You're in the bright lights. You're in the, the car, and that whole change that then makes your you know your chemical balance change because you're in a totally different new zone. Um, so I thought that was quite an interesting, interesting thought. It's actually it's it's more than a thought. It's scientifically proven, and that's what um, having the support of a doula and home birthing. Um, the statistics of you know successful home births and having a doula present, um, a birth support person, the interventions are far far less than if you just kind of went in and go oh well they're going to look after me type of thing. So when you've got that that strength and that support, um, and when you've got your zone that's uninterrupted and you you're left to do what you're naturally born to do um everything really goes to plan and yeah like like you said the first step is walking out the door and I probably on reflection I probably could have birthed her at home but um you know that wasn't the way that this one was meant to be but um I'm I'm definitely number two um that's what I'm planning for so amazing amazing oh Sophie I love that I'm so happy that you that you came on and is there anything else that you would like to share with anyone who is feeling fearful about their birth because a lot of my listeners are women who are pregnant and who are coming um, for advice so anything that you would say that would help them yeah I suppose pregnancy is just pregnancy and birth it's something that you know you can read all the textbooks in the world um but you're not going to know it until you're in it and I suppose the best piece of advice that I can give is that 
your body is made to do this. And if you surrender to yourself, you'll be amazed at what your body is able to do. And changing the mindset is the most powerful, powerful thing um, in hypnobirthing. Um, I think you probably remember, or my practitioner explained it this way, is you've got your old brain and your new brain. Um, so as a birthing woman, what you need to do is switch your new brain off, which is, you know, thinking and stressing and worrying. And that's where the fear is. And you just need to be in your old brain, your reptilian brain, which is where you can just switch off and be in the zone and just really zone in and believe and focus on what your body can do. Um, so that was, that's probably the best piece of advice I can, I can give is that, your body was made to do this and that you have the power to do it. I love that. Amazing. Sophie, I feel like we need to do another podcast together. Um, oh, I'd love to. There's so many. I'm so passionate about um, yes. about birth as well. And there's just so many, so many aspects of pregnancy, birth, and what I'm really passionate about is postpartum as well, being a new mum. So yeah, there's so many things to talk about. <laughs> oh, I, I'm definitely feeling another one coming along. So I'm going to send you a message on WhatsApp after this with some ideas, but we have to have you back on. I've loved it. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure, Poppy. Like it's um, it's really amazing what you're doing. And yeah, as a new mum myself, I listen to podcasts and I, I think it's just a great way to um, to reach out and, and educate and empower women. So thank you. So guys, that was the end. I hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. If anyone would like to send Sophie a message, then feel free to DM me on Instagram, pop that mama. We would love to hear from you. I think Sophie will be definitely making a return on this podcast because she is so passionate about birth and really knowledgeable. So I look forward to having her back on. All right, guys. Bye bye.